1: of you have been wondering just how good this season can be. Well, guess what, everybody? We're about to find out. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. The international break is over! Not yet, but almost. It's almost over. And they're waiting for us. The joy of a weekend of un- unrelenting Barclays. Is it even Barclays anymore? Probably isn't. But the Premier League is back and waiting for us on the doorstep like a flaming turd is Liverpool away. It is a difficult fixture, but it is a measuring stick. And that is probably what we need right now. Would we have liked a nice, easy fixture to get us back into the rhythm of the Premier League? Sure, I think we would. But this is a measuring stick. A chance to say, okay, we've been on a run. We're looking good. We're feeling good about who we are. Let's see how we compare. In one of the hardest grounds to go to right now, one of the teams playing some of the best football. And I realize they did lose to West Ham, but Liverpool right there is one of the teams you expect to either win the title or, you know, come close to doing it. I mean, other than us, obviously, who who will be winning the title. So this is it. This is where we will measure ourselves. And there are a lot of questions that we're going to ask about what that means and what we need to do for that measurement to count. We are going <clears throat> to try something new today. We're going to try to incorporate your thoughts, your questions into the episode. And given my uh, extreme talent as an audio engineer, as many of you are familiar with, There is a strong likelihood that this will not work and this episode will be chopped up uh, like some kind of uh, cadaver in medical school. Gosh, that's a bad analogy. Off to a flying start here. But we'll we'll see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. I do want to do a little housekeeping quickly. We're going to have a live stream tomorrow, a pre-Liverpool live stream. Um, Obviously, the game not being tomorrow. Tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Thursday, is Friday. But Friday, there will be a live stream with uh, myself and Jessica Black and hopefully some other people from the podcast We are excited to have Jessica be more of a uh, leadership position on our YouTube channel because we don't know how to use YouTube, and we're really bad at it, and we don't do enough stuff over there. So the idea is her energy, her talent, her intellect, and her skill at YouTube will allow us to put more content out there and force us to do more over there so that we can just uh, get you more goodness. And that's that's the hope, always. So one other thing. Uh, You may have heard me mention before, Gorgeous George, One Big Fight, at Twitter uh, on Twitter, at George, the number one big fight. George, the number one big fight. George, uh, a young man fighting a geoblastoma brain tumor. A little boy, I think it would be safer to say. Um, and he does have a GoFundMe page. Uh, Matt and Louise, his parents, working really hard to help him fight his way back to full health. And if you can help, uh, he's a big-time gooner, a fan of the podcast as well, and someone that we uh, we want to help out. So you can go to his Twitter account, at George, the number one big fight. Uh, or their GoFundMe page. It's in the Twitter um, description, but also we'll put it in the description for the show notes as well if you want to go there. So please do that. Uh, without further ado, he says, having always a little further ado to go, is Clive. You can find him on Twitter at ClivePFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Yep. And Paul, you can find him on Twitter at Pause with My Pants. I'll pause. Woohoo. Woohoo. Um, uh, we did an interview. We, uh, I, the Royal, We, did an interview with Sarah Rudd, the former head of analytics at Arsenal on Wednesday. It's on the main feed now, so if you missed it and you want to listen to it, I think it's an interesting discussion, even if you're not into analytics, to understand what they're trying to accomplish inside of clubs these days and uh, how they're being incorporated and and what the limitations are, too, if you want to hear that. So that's out there for you. So we are going to talk Liverpool today. That is on the agenda. And the way we're going to do it is we are just going to have our our usual sort of free-flowing conversation looking forward to the game. We're going to try to incorporate your thoughts. Um, So we will do that just real quick before we do clive do you want to add anything about george because i know you're uh you're particularly close to him and his family in the fight that they are
2: yeah unemployed. i should have said something earlier sorry but they live locally to me very local so um it's something you know in my area that um there's numerous um uh, charitable events over the last few months and um unbelievable energy shown by the parents i, I don't know how they do it to be honest and um and they are sort of the club have been very supportive as well. And, and they're well known amongst the Arsenal community online. So if people can support them, you know, there's lots of problems out there in the world, but help your children is a, is a big one, right? So, um, yeah, my heart goes out to them. And, um, I'm sure many older parents out there are thinking very similar. So thanks a for raising that, but yeah, any, any sort of energy we can provide to them uh, would
1: be great. Yes. Yeah, what community is all about. So happy to do it. So, um, Let's dive into the, the Liverpool preview. We're going to get to your thoughts. The first one I want to get to is not directly about Liverpool. Um, it is more specifically for you, Clive. This one is from Richard, and uh, I do want to get your thoughts on where we go with this.
3: Hi, guys.
4: Richard from London, long time listener, first time caller. I don't really have anything to say about Liverpool, uh, but as we're coming up to the end of the year and I'm thinking about uh, my calendar for 2022, I was just wondering whether uh, there'd be any room for an, a charity novelty calendar uh, involving Clive in uh, various sexy fireman outfits. I think it'd be um, you know, a pretty good thing. Raise a lot of money for charity. And uh, I'm sure there'd be plenty of the disco boys who'd, who'd want one. So uh, anyway, give us some thought of the arsenal. Thanks for all you do.
1: That's from Richard Clive. Um, sexy fireman outfit calendar. I mean, I'd I'd be happy to do one. I'd be more of a furry. Maybe I would do like a bear costume or something. But are are you going to don the fireman outfit and make a calendar for us?
2: Well, I'm, I'm struggling to get over the video. Can you imagine me doing something
1: like that? It's
2: not. It doesn't suit my character. I'm afraid, but um, Richard. How about
1: you just holding a Sky Sports microphone in front of the relevant areas? How about that? <laughs> Could, could yeah, be, could be a good cross promotion with Manscaped. I'm just saying.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Manscaped will come into it. About time they sent me one. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let <laughs> we'll me leave it at that. Now uh, I thought you were me a question about the back three, not about flipping <laughs> about um, that. Maybe,
1: maybe those two things are related, Paul. Um, what would you be wearing in the calendar?
2: Uh,
5: <laughs> uh you know, um, not very much. Not like, very much. Mm-hmm. Well, we're trying to generate funds, right?
1: I mean, we do want people to purchase this calendar. It's going to be a charity yeah. calendar, apparently. So,
5: yeah. So, like, nothing, like, because we want to maximize sales.
1: Yeah, I mean, there you go, Paul. Paul gets right to the point, as ever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He will be wearing nothing. 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 Um, so uh, I will mention, Paul, that you are awfully quiet today. Uh, I don't know if that's just your mood or your mic. Or a combination of the two. So let's um let's throw in another comment. I, I do want to get to this one early. This is Eddie Longbridge, uh, a longtime listener and someone who's been really supportive of our pod. A lot of people have wanted him to be a guest on podcasts. He said, I, you know, I, I don't want to reveal my voice, but he has done so by leaving us a message. So let's get Eddie's thoughts into the show.
5: Hello. This is
6: Eddie Longbridge speaking. I fully expect Arsenal to brush aside
5: Liverpool this weekend. There isn't a team in the world right now that can cope with the relentless, unstoppable, devastating force. That is Mikkel Arteta and his sensational Arsenal team. Also, keep up the good work, boys.
1: That's Eddie Longbridge. You've you've now heard the famous Eddie Longbridge. All kidding aside, um, I I think one of the things that is... Uh, happening for a lot of people right now is a sense of confidence, but also an understanding that this is a difficult fixture. So with all kidding aside, we're going to get into the questions now and, and into the contributions of people who, who wanted to know one of the first things that, that came up. What should we expect from Anfield? What is fair to expect? Let's start with Renee. Hi, this is Renee from New
4: York City. I love the show. Honestly, I'm not thinking we'll take any points from Anfield. What I'm instead looking for is the performance, a good performance. But I want to hear from you guys, what would constitute the varying levels of success in your eyes? Is it only taking the three points? Is it taking a point? Is it the performance? Or is it some combination
6: of all of the above? Hello, Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast. podcast. Um, I'm going to, like Elliot, ask a question, uh, and then I'm going to speak for quite a long time after that question is asked, uh, and then you can go ahead and answer whatever question's in your mind because I think that's how this podcast works. Um, I'm interested to know what your baseline is for the Liverpool game in terms of result or performance that would allow you to still feel like the Arteta revival is on. Personally speaking, for me, it's all about performance, not result. I'd be happy with a number of different types of performance, a gritty, uh, hard fought, narrow defeat I'd be happy with, or a courageous attacking performance that still results in a narrow defeat I'd be okay with. But um, if we're not getting a decent performance, then I can't help but feel. We've been here before with Arteta. We've had so many new dawns that turn out to be false dawns. And, uh, you know, I felt since the Villarreal tie last season uh, that anything anything positive that happens is inevitably going to be followed by something that's not so positive and significantly less positive. So um, go ahead and please answer whatever question you want to answer. Thanks very much. Keep up the great work. I love the
5: podcast so much. Hi, guys. I just want to ask, with
0: the recent upturn in form, do you expect us to get anything out of this game?
1: Or would you be happy if we just don't lose by a large margin? What are your thoughts? Okay, Paul, I'll start with you. Um, I I think the question is, what what qualifies as acceptable from a performance standpoint here? You sort of hear the variety there. I mean... Um, everybody expressing that they understand this is a difficult fixture. But, you know, I think in the past we've had the ability to go into some difficult fixtures and and be an active participant in the game. But recently, uh, the City game a little unique and the Chelsea game a little unique because of player's missing. But I think back to the last Liverpool uh, game where we, we sort of just sat back and took a bit of a hammering and didn't offer much in response. So what do you think is the right way to analyze this performance regardless of result. What, what's the expectation?
5: Uh, yeah. So in the questions, um, certainly a couple of them went to saying that they'd be comfortable. They, they'd accept if, if they saw a response in terms of performance. And I think that's really where I'm at. Uh, you know, if we do get something at Anfield, it's probably cause we got lucky and we kept it tight and we got a point. Um, It's really interesting thinking back over the last few games against big teams. We played, as you said, City and Chelsea. And in both games, we didn't do what we did early on in Arteta's reign to get a result against big teams. We didn't do a very different setup at the back. Well, I guess against City, we played uh, a three at the back, but it was quite a progressive three. It was a high line. It wasn't kind of sit back and hit them. In fact, we had a quite high pressing structure. And then Chelsea, we did this interesting thing with our midfield with Zambi and Chaka, where we split them quite wide. Um, And, uh, you know, we we came out pretty much all guns firing against Chelsea early on and we got done down the middle because it just didn't work. So uh, at the start of this season... Arteta didn't come into it with a very kind of minimalist approach against big teams. He tried interesting things in those first two of three games, and we got splattered. Um, and there were promising moments in each game, but we kind of got taken taken apart. The City game was really about us making mistakes. And what I'm hoping now is we're tighter, we're better, we've a better setup, our back line is more defined uh, if party is fit. And that's a big question for the Liverpool game. Is it party or isn't a party? And can he play ninety minutes? Mm. But the back line's just a lot stronger to build on. Um and we've kind of settled into this four four two for the time being, and that kind of suits playing away from home at Anfield. I think we could do much better without having to change our game and structure. Um, because four four two could work quite well for us here and and uh you know Lacazette's battling performances don't know I think I'm what I'm really looking for is an uptick in how we play the bigger teams within our current consistent style without having to do something radical and change everything like we did against Chelsea last year where we just basically sat back rope-a-doped and took the performance I'd like to us to see us go away to Anfield and play the way we're playing, even though we won't have much of the ball in our structure, take what we can get, use our back line, which has got tighter, stronger, um, and try and use Lacazette in a battling way to get up the pitch. Smith-Rowe run at them. Saka over to the right, clever, technically holding onto the ball. I think one of the things I've really liked about us lately is Saka and Smith Rowe so good on the ball, so clean with the ball, holding on to it? Um, if Sam, um, oh, where well, I guess we're almost guaranteed Samba, you'll be playing. He's very clean on the ball, very good when being pressured and dribbling. Um, you know, he's had one or two rougher games, so I'm hoping to see an uptick in performance. Our, our middle questioner there, I felt he got a little dark towards the end with this <laughs> question, and we were starting to lose him and. Like, he he was basically asking for kind of a straight line, linear improvement. It's never going to feel like that. Even yeah, he made the comment better, that after yeah.
1: after an uptick, there's always a bad thing that comes. And I would suggest, like, that's just sort of how it works generally. Yeah, um, it's like right.
5: buying the stock and saying, I just wanted to go up slightly, slowly over. T-. Well, it's not, it doesn't matter what the stock is. They all go up and down. After a period of time, you find out, did it actually go up? Uh, kind of in the medium long term. And that's, uh, I don't expect to feel great after Anfield this weekend, but but I want, to, I want us to be able to take a step back and say, well, at least we played our game and it was coherent and it was mostly solid. Maybe we get something, maybe we don't.
1: I would say this is the hardest fixture that we'll have. And the reason I say that is I think that Liverpool are as good as City and Chelsea. Maybe you could say, no, I think City are better. Or Ch- I don't think Chelsea are better, but you could say it. But I think Anfield is a harder ground to go to than the Etihad or Stamford Bridge. And I think you combine that challenge with the quality of their team and the way they play. You know, I mean, they will really do that strangling press against us, I think. They don't always do it in every game, but they seem to want to do it against us. You know, I they are a team that we have really found difficult. And you can say, well, <laughs> what about what happened against City? But again, Clive, I think this is an interesting situation to really directly compare against the City fixture earlier this season because in that fixture we went into the game and I think to a fan we all knew something bad was coming now the red card made it a non-event completely but the state of the squad that we brought into that game really only led to one possible outcome this is very different now settled squad on a good run Liverpool have just been beaten by West Ham so there's that that air of invulnerability or invincibility, dare I say it, is gone. So expectations are a bit higher. The problem with expectations being higher is that there is a real question of we definitely are better, but are we as good as this run has led us to think? And so this is really a clash of expectations in terms of trying to be realistic, but also I think rightly expecting us to participate in this game in a meaningful way and not just as, you know, a... A sort of deep block, hoping not to get battered. If that makes sense, do you have a similar thought about it?
2: Yeah, I've got loads of thoughts on this game. Um, I don't doubt uh, it. <laughs> and party has just been confirmed as fit, by the way. So I'm um, just literally Big broke because we're recording. Good news. Mm-hmm. So um, whether we'll take the risk with him is another question. But look, I'm maybe the wrong person to ask because I think we're going to win every game that we start. Right, that's how I walk into football matches. But. Soon as the game at Anfield starts, you realise there's a huge gap. And when does that gap? How does it manifest itself? It normally manifests itself in speed and intensity and physicality. the last two teams Liverpool played where they got one point from six was Brighton and West Ham. Now Brighton in particular are quite big at centre back and they're quite they're quite they move well and they build up well and they managed to get a two two draw from two 0 down, by the way. And West Ham were not physically dominated in any way or form. In fact, they dominated Liverpool. Now, I think if you look at the Arsenal that went to Man City and look at the Arsenal that are available today, one thing we've improved on is our ability to move, our ability to think clearly under pressure, keep the ball under pressure, move from zone to zone and really work hard and be competitive. But also we've added a level of pace and speed and intensity. This is the best athletic and most intense Arsenal team I have seen for many years. Right, So that gives us a chance. Now for me, the Achilles' heel of Liverpool is if you can match them across the ground, you, you start to prick their confidence. If you can keep the ball under like Man City did in the first half at Anfield, they start to think and go backwards. If you look at what they actually have at the moment, that they, we all know when Liverpool are firing and everybody's on their top game, they're a difficult team. The goalkeeper's throwing him in at the moment, right? So Van Dijk is not as good as he was. He's still recovering from the ACL. He's not as dominant across the ground. Matip is doing quite well. Trent is top class, but we all know there's space behind him. Robinson fifty fifty. 50 Timmy Cass is decent. There's good corners, good crosses, but he's, he's, he doesn't have the fear factor Robinson for me. Midfield three potential weekend could be for Fabinho, Thiago, and Oxlade-Chamberlain. Good players, right? Good players, but not mm. not massively. You say, okay, that's, that's not the end of the world for me. You know. So the front three, obviously, they're a different class. They keep them narrow. They keep them inside. They pin our back four by playing inside the fullbacks. They do it very, very well. So it's up to us, right? So well, how, how do we beat them? For me, it's how we spring. West Ham did it very well. They kept their front three really narrow stretch the play of Antonio, but when they broke, they broke right down the middle, really narrow. I think it's very important you have the threat of speed on the counter. Um, Because Liverpool always go two at the back and they really gamble with Fabinho in front. If you can flood that central area and really break, or break into wide areas, but with real speed and devastation, you have a chance. You have a chance to get in on them. I think West Ham are a great example to us. and a, I've got loads of thoughts in this game because Lil Paul's with one point out of six. Do you take it in 15-minute chunks and say, right, I also want to stay in it for 15 minutes. The longer I stay in it, the more they're going to get nervy because they're just going to think they're going to brush us aside. Or do you say, actually, let's just focus on us, play exactly where we've been playing, just do it better, right? Or do it better and then just say, see where we are. At least we can make a true judgment based on our identity that we've created recently. I'm not too sure really how you would do it. I've got some different thoughts. But um, tactically and systemically, but they may come in questions later on, so I don't want to take them all now. But I do think having the ability to travel, to threaten, to run with people, and also show that you can look after the poor under pressure, but also travel with the out of pressure to threaten their shape and to threaten their confidence, which they generally have at home when the energy is high on a Saturday night when the beers are flowing – Can we threaten their confidence in their environment? And the only way you do that is with physical intensity and speed and technique under pressure. And if we can do that for long enough periods and then ride out the periods where they're going to have their moments, let's see how we go.
1: Yeah, well, I think the thing when you look at Liverpool, just statistically, or just watch them, they are absolutely, I think, right there with City, and the, the numbers would say better, in terms of attacking forces in the league, 27.7 expected goals, it's tops, ahead of City by 3.7. So not a small amount. City then, you know, almost five ahead of Chelsea, uh, on down then to West Ham, Leicester, Everton, and so on. So they are a standout attacking team. But their defense, again, is still a, a top five defense by metrics, but right there in a cluster of teams. In other words, their defense looks human normal beatable depending on you know what what you're able to create against them and how you go about doing it their attack looks virtually unstoppable and so I can totally understand the idea that you do need to sit a little deeper be a little more compact you know they are also a team that that dominates possession in most games so there's nothing wrong with that i think the issue for me paul has been that in the past with some of these liverpool games We've tried to keep it compact, but we just have not carried a threat at the other end. And if I had a worry, it would be that in the games, even in this good run, where we've opted to be more defensive, either in a neutral game state like the Brighton game or when we've had the lead, that we've dropped deep and abandoned the outball, abandoned the counter-attacking threat and been more easy to just sort of pin back and go after. Like we saw that in the Lester game a bit. So that for me is really the crux of it. I don't mind us being compact. I don't mind us sitting a little deeper, but we absolutely must maintain that, that exit and that ability to counterattack and threaten them. And if you do what the numbers suggest and what my eyes tell me from watching them is you can get joy doing that. I'm not saying it's easy, but we have to find a way. So do you agree that the, the, the piece of the puzzle for us that has to be found here is while sitting back, not failing to have an exit, not not allowing ourselves to be pinned in too much.
5: Yeah, but would you agree that where we've been seeing us sitting back is because we're leading? We have the goal. Or
1: neutral. We've had some neutral state games, like the Brighton game comes yeah. to mind where we, and I know whether – was mm. was difficult, and they were we,
2: just good as well. Let's give them some credit. they well, were right, good but Liverpool
1: day. are going to be good too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean?
2: They were they were good on the day, and and yeah. and we and we fought them off, right? So you have, yeah, we, we have to get we have to get we have to get this thing out of our head that we're going to dominate every minute, of every single game. And if we don't, we have some sort of form of deficiency. You know? Not remotely
1: so, my point. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. What I am saying is you go to Anfield and sit deep and don't carry any counterattacking threat, that unlike a Brighton, they will find the moments. They will so, prize you open. So you know?
5: let me take my question yeah. back then. Mm-hmm. The, the It's the conditional bit at the end and don't have any counterattacking threat. Obviously, we point. need that. Obviously. Otherwise, it's grim, right? It's thin gruel. It's like I can take a punching. So obviously, we need counterattacking threat. I, I just... My... my I'm less nervous than you when we sit back because we have a goal and the bright, you know, we have a series of one-offs and small sample. You know, Brighton was a very specific game and a very specific time for us. We weren't good yet. Uh, We were getting better Uh, in ugly conditions, in which I agree with you. um, There's a lot of commonality there in that they press like Liverpool might press us, Um, but the conditions and us, I'd like to think we've. We'll kick on a bit and we'll play the ball a little better. And we, you know, Ramsdale kicking it long into the wind uh, all game long against Brighton. Didn't love that, but I understood why we did it. Um, I'm hoping to see a lot more footballing from us as we play out there. And then on the counter attack, it's going to be re- really interesting to see who we've got lined up there. Um, you know, if we did end up sticking with Nuno on the left because he's earned it, you might say or we switch to Tierney because he's our guy. He, you know, he's played on the big stage. He's played at Anfield. But if you have somebody like a Nuno running at their back line, um, as they're running backwards, that could be very interesting from the left on top of our, you know, of course we got a Yang and he's, he's scrambled a goal or two against these bigger teams down the other end with a little help from Smith Rowe along the way. Um, I think we'll have a counter-attack. I don't think they'll enjoy it with Saka, say Nuno, Smith-Rowe and uh, Lacazette connecting the dots as we play out. Um, could be very interesting. Sambi's really clean on the ball. Party's a force if he's, if he's good, if he can play, if we can get 60 to 90 minutes out of him. Um, ben White and um, uh, Gabriel are strong uh, with the ball on the ball, uh, confident playing the ball out. Uh, I wouldn't like to talk myself into the fact that we're going to turn Liverpool over here, but I don't think you're going to have uh, the, we're a goal up against Leicester, we're sitting back, we're keeping it tight, and we're not, not doing very much in the second half problem with Arsenal. I think, I think we, there's a good chance we could give them a hard time on the counter a few times in this game.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's my hope. And, you know, Clive, just to sort of come back on your point, like, I feel like we have this debate a lot. It is not my contention that you need to dominate every game with the ball. It's not my contention that you need to dominate any game with the ball. Possession is not the point, but you always have to carry some kind of threat. And so I think when I've been concerned about what we're doing, it's not that we don't have the ball. It's that those, our, you know, two banks of four get compressed deep, but Oba gets sucked back a little towards our goal, and Lacazette gets sucked back a little towards our goal, and suddenly we don't get out. And yeah, you, mentioned
2: right. the magic, you mentioned the magic word there. It's Lacazette. Yeah. And that Brighton game, Lacazette came on for the last 20 minutes, and since he's come into the team, we've had more build-up. Right, so the trick with Arsenal is to almost have that dice, number five on the dice, right, with one guy, two centre mids, one guy in the middle, Lacazette, and two attacking mids to bring him from the outside, All right, so that central point has allowed us to build up because he's just stronger, he just buys more fouls, he just controls the rhythm, and he also presses if, if we lose it, and I think he's been a key person for me in our uptick in form because we've been able to travel through the pitch, and as soon as we can travel through the pitch, then we can see our two kids on the outside, We can see them clearly because they need to get into shape. So when you have a transition, you need to have two or three passes so you can see your attacking shape, so you can see it develop. So they need time to move. They need time to threaten people. If you're giving it away in one, two passes, you can't spring into your attacking shape. You can't see yourself. And that's when the ball comes straight back because you haven't got those good exits. And Lacazette has really provided that. And if you're looking into the development of our team, that build-up player is important and I think it's almost more important than a Yang replacement for me because I think that's where the future of us is to enable the other people to really be more threatening as they grow and grow and experience so I do think we've got more of a chance if Lacazette plays which I think he will um, to con- at least have a breather right and I think that's really important party again somebody that's used to that environment he has the ability to give us that composure and give us a breather. I think that's all we need, two, three passes, then we can spring. If we can get those two, three passes, then we can see the space behind Robertson or Timmy Cass, and we can see the space behind Trent Alexander-Arnold. Now, Paul mentioned Nuno there, and this is the debate for me because Smith Rose, the superstar, has been interviewed left, right, and centre across the whole country mm-hmm. – I'm there's a debate, and there is a debate, and I'm not a back three debate for me, but there is a debate to play both Nuno and and um, Curantini on the left-hand side, and use Nuno as a left-sided winger who can spring, but offer protection to their most dangerous created player, which is Trent. If you have the ability to spring behind him at absolute rapid speed... Uh, I think that will cause them a problem a real problem and I don't think there's anybody quicker than Nuno in the league almost so it's an option but no one's going to drop Smith-Rowe when he's the golden child and it wouldn't be a drop it's just horses for courses but that's something to think about for me really think about it because I think having that ability to stretch really quickly in two three passes is their weakness it's just how you go about it and some people say well Clive Smith-Rowe can do that and that's absolutely fine but I think Nuno's, he's got something about him, and I think Tierney, he um, so, defends so Clive, inside what think, slightly better. What do you
5: think of Smithrow? Like Smithrow's pretty disciplined, so if he's given
2: instructions, you can do it, Paul. It's just it's just an inkling it's I have. That,
5: well, I'm buying into your idea, except maybe just using Nuno as full back and Smithrow covering for him when he gets forward. Obviously, he's not Smithrow isn't super defensive, but he can fill that kind of midfield spot as he kind of one-twos Nuno up the field and just kind of tucks in a li- tucks into the touchline a little bit, makes sure he's kind of got that corridor a little covered. And Gabriel's pretty good at handling uh, Mo Salah. And maybe that gives us the license to get Nuno forward, but using a little discipline from Smith Road to keep the the midfield area covered.
2: Where I where I where I would sort of slightly differ a little bit on this, just be thinking ahead, right? You know, you have this game in your mind and you have I'm doing my own team talk in my own head, right? Mm-hmm. So I would have Tierney tucked right next to Gabrielle. Because Liverpool like to slice that space right next to our left mm-hmm. centre half. They want to get Salah in there. Tierney's very good, tight inside defender. And um, but I would actually have I wouldn't if we had Nuno playing, what would happen? He would go galloping. And that's exactly what they want. And Gabriel, he's, he can cover the big space. But I think it's important that we cover the central areas as well because they, they're going to have Jota playing there. And I, th- I think he's exceptional. You know, I think he's just brilliant. And so having the partnership they have, having Gabriel and White close but not being moved too much, but also when you look up to your left, you've got Tierney there tucking inside, protecting that inside, ch- that inside channel from uh, Salah running into it. But when you, when you get the ball, we're off. We're off to the races. I think that's really important that we have that threat because what that will do is Liverpool will not press us back because they have to protect their back door. Saka can move like the wind, Nuno can move like the wind, and so can Smith Rowe, right? A, so I'm not saying it's just a little—it's a little inkling I have, you know, because I think Nuno's speed is incredible, and we may end up finishing with Nuno and make the out wide, for example. And so we want to maintain that ability to sprint, and we put the two guys who played out wide many times. And say, no, we want to make sure we can cover We can cover your switches of play, because we've both paid fullback, and we can cover that, but we can also travel at speed and threaten you. I think we have enough speed now to make this a game we can approach with less trepidation than previous years and much more interest to see how we solve the problems that are coming our way.
1: Yeah. Well, let's, let's get into how we might solve that problem. And we got a lot of questions. I'm going to throw three of them in here specifically about formation and changing it for Anfield. So we'll start with Jonathan, uh, take a listen to this and then we'll have a a chat about it. Hey guys,
7: huge fan of your work here. Thank you so much for, for the great content and thanks for giving us this opportunity to, um, to, uh, contribute. Um, about the Liverpool game, I've been thinking about potential formations and I have a feeling Arteta is going to go with the back three of Tomiyasu, White and Gabriel. And I think this is the kind of game where Maitland-Niles tends to thrive. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, as a right-wing-back and Tavares or Tierney, if he's fit, on the other side. Um, and I can imagine Maitland-Niles playing kind of that hybrid role, where in, a, in an offensive phase he tucks in into the middle to create an overload in midfield. Um, so I'm just curious about everyone's thoughts on this this potential
8: formation. Hey guys, uh, my name is Carter, longtime listener, and I'm uh, really grateful and thankful for what you do. Keep it up, you guys do a great job. My question is I'm curious if you would consider going uh, five at the back um, against Liverpool. Tavares, left wing back, uh, Gabriel, left center back, then with White in the middle and Tomiyasu on the right. Then you would probably, best option would be Ainsley Maitland Niles, uh, right wing back. Obviously, with the way that Liverpool attack and how strong they are um in their in the final third i was wondering if you would consider um going with a little bit extra defensive cover um or if you think we should just stick with what we're doing because it's been going well so far anyway thank you guys so much um and really enjoy uh the podcast and thank you for all that you do
6: hi guys uh my question is the following um with a lot of discussion online about whether or not we should switch our system for the upcoming game, whether we should perhaps move to a back three or or any kind of slightly more defensive system, um, a lot of people have said that, no, we should just stick to our guns, do what we normally do and try and get a result like uh, Brighton and uh, West Ham did. Um, now, while I tend to agree with that, I do wonder that if we don't switch our system to something more defensive for this game, does that mean that we won't see any back three this season and that, therefore, Mikel Arteta's current system is pretty much set in stone uh, for the rest of the season?
1: That was Lewis at the end there. So, Paul, I- I'll turn that over to you. I mean, obviously, there there were a lot of questions about going mm. to the back three here, and it is the sort of classic tension of wow, you've got this team playing well, you're on a run, you, you know, you've created some consistency of how you play and the results are following. And now you go into a big game and do you revert or do you stick? Um, you know, I, I do think that what Tomiyasu gives us, and I know you hate when I mention this, is the ability to very neatly <laughs> convert to a back three and use his skill set as a player who can naturally be both center back and fullback. And then Ben White goes into a position that maybe more approximates what he did very specifically for Brighton last season. Gabriel, obviously, very comfortable in the left-center-back role. And with the wing-backs, you then have the ability to maybe attack the space that Liverpool leaves in behind, and especially behind Trent Alexander-Arnold, if it is Tavares. So do you you think he might opt for that?
5: You'd Mm -hmm. separate White and Gabriel and put Tomiyasu between them?
1: No, 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 I wouldn't. I'm saying I'd leave... um, who be I'd central. Let, yeah, I'd let Ben White be yeah. the sort of central <clears throat> defender who well, pushes up a little bit Brighton. more. Right, sorry, yeah, it's a little different, but you know, engages okay. with the ball a little bit um, you know, before the ball gets right into our final third or the edge of our yeah. box. Keep the center backs maybe tucked in a little tighter to each other. Cool. Let the wing backs handle those uh tricky wide players, but you do then get that out ball to Tavares in the space vacated by uh, Trent Alexander Arnold. I mean, that's all great in theory. A lot of this mm. stuff winds up completely falling apart when you get to Anfield and, and you're confronted with Liverpool. But do you do you see him going for something like that? I still think like
5: it, I don't. I'm not certain he'll do. He'll go either way. I, I think his four four two is the little more likely because that's looked fairly secure, and I think that just might be enough for him to think well. That's the best balance of secure but still attacking. If he goes uh, with a 5 at the back, 3-5 at the back, here's how I would hope he'd line it up. To take advantage of what Clive's talking about, I'd have Nuno, but I'd have Kieran Tierney as our left centre-back um, because he's going to get pulled into that corridor over on the left with Mo Salah and whichever midfielder is making that diagonal into the corner there where they play their clever triangles uh Henderson's done it to us in the past with Trent Alexander-Arnold and, and Mo Salah rotating into that corner there. So having Tierney and Nuno over there and the threat of Nuno would be great. That would keep uh, Gabriel Central and Ben White on the right. And that way I don't get to hear you talking about Tommy Yasu playing as a centre-back. We can keep him as our right full-back wing-back Um, keep him a little more conservative on that side that's how I would guess and you know from Arteta's standpoint then he gets Tierney back into the team and he starts to find useful ways of playing his players basically in position without doing anything weird and wonderful keeps Gabriel and White next to each other of course Um, but he gets Tierney and Tavares back into the team using their strengths. Tierney's played that left centre-back very often um, and allows us to maybe control that corner of danger. The far more dangerous corner over there would be, you know, if you could have two, basically Nuno nullifying Trent Alexander-Arnold, that would get you a long way to have Tierney and his experience playing that that pocket of the pitch against uh, Mo Salah You know, you're starting to look like a tweak to the system. That's not too big a tweak um, that we've played before, and keeps players in position. And Ben White as right centre pack, she'll be very comfortable there. Um, There's a lot to like about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is the classic conundrum when you face a team that is extremely strong away that you aren't favoured against, but you're on a good run playing your way, and you know, I think. I think it is a a really interesting psychological question too for Arteta because what are you saying to your team when you say, we need to change for this game? Are you saying, look, we recognize the challenges and we're going to confront them in the way we think we can be most successful? Or are you saying, you know, are you transmitting to them that our way of playing isn't going to be good enough against a team that we regard as better? And does that unravel some of the confidence and faith in the way you're playing. I mean, I I think tactical changes for specific games are pretty commonplace now. I don't think the team would be too concerned about that, but it is definitely the case that there's a there is a psychological impact of making that choice. Clive, I'm just sort of curious how you think Arteta will view that decision to do what's been working or make this switch to a back five, which I think from a purely tactical standpoint for this game it makes a lot of sense
2: yeah so you know i don't mind a back three back five um, yeah, no. but mm-hmm. actually i've stopped talking about it because now we have players at the back that can do whatever we like so the way they play they drop into a three as we all know sometimes sometimes they just go to a two but having the ability to look after the ball with two feet build up pass travel that's, that's more important to me than the actual system that we play. And having the size, speed, and physicality to deal with, with a team like Liverpool. Deal with most teams, actually, but we'll see how we go. I think, um, if you notice, I, I take my leave from other teams as well. And if you notice that West Ham have played three at the back on occasion, not very often. And Brighton certainly have. They both went to a back four against Liverpool. And I think that's really smart. Because they will keep their front three narrow and high. And they want to, they want to, and so if you go in with a back three against them, they're literally man for man, which then forces you into a back five, which then makes sure you cannot spring. It's very difficult for you for spring unless you get good possession. So going with a four is better because you have your four versus three. So you've got your superiority there. You have it narrow, but you have the ability to just spring on the next line. I think that's really key. So I would say stay with a four in this game and focus on. Build up, and you know, we've got short memories obviously. And the last games, but you know, the last game, Ben White was our best player, right? So, if we can get a situation where we can get superiority using a goalkeeper, we can travel through that's something we've never presented Liverpool before. We've never actually had the ability to travel, switch the play apart from David Louise's playing, and really force them into areas they don't want to be. Now, I think. With Liverpool, the key word is areas. They like to play in areas they want to be. If you can put them in areas where they don't want to be, I think that is the key for them. So we, I think we've got more confidence with Ramsdale, Gabrielle, and White to put the ball into areas where Liverpool don't want it on a consistent, accurate basis. And so for me, that's more important than the system. We'll, we'll end up dropping to a five anyway, just because the nature of pressure. And so with Smith-Rowe, Sacco or Nuno, whoever we decide to play, if they take the outside channel, we're going to have five channels at the back and also we try to get five channels going forward, which we won't get. But I think that's key, where we drop to, how tight we are, how compact we are, rather than the system. And I think I will stress again, it's important for that back four to be incredibly narrow and really focus on the exit on their right hand side because that Henderson Trent link is the key link to the game. If we can stress that and overcome that, we, we we've got a chance, as well as <laughs> set pieces, which I think is something we're improving on. And West Ham showed Liverpool have a weakness against, definitely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, unfortunately we're losing Paul right now, but I'm not gonna let you go without a quick prediction. So Paul, what do you what do you have for this game?
5: Um, I think we'll get beat 4-0.
1: How (laughs) how much fun is that instant reaction pod going to (laughs) be?
5: No, I think it'll be, um, what would I think? They'll be just (laughs) 2-0. That's my actual prediction and not much cheerier. 2-0 to Liverpool. All
1: right, well, I think that's a perfect reason to kick you off the pod. (laughs) Yeah,
5: (laughs) that'd be where i put my money, but but i think i think it'll be okay i think we'll do i think it'll be a better performance scoreline who the hell knows but uh i've had to bet money 2-0 to
1: them all right pause on twitter pause my pants thanks pause woo all right before we keep going let's talk about our podcast daddy uh there's a fantastic podcast that our podcast daddy is putting out it's called the rumor it is about cal ripken's uh games played streak his consecutive games played streak in major league baseball it was a story that captured the attention of this nation and uh sort of the world, I guess it's fair to say. And the guys who dug into it are true fans from Baltimore. There have always been rumors around how that streak continued rumors of, uh, clandestine affairs, uh, rumors of, let's say a little bit of, uh, facilities interference, you might say. Um, so, you know, there's been all sorts of, of, whispers and they dived into it they got at the core of the story to understand like how that streak continued how that record was broken and uh what rumors were true and it makes for a really interesting listen it's called the rumor it's on the blue wire podcast network and you can listen to it on apple stitcher spotify wherever you find your better podcasts like this very one itself so let's get back to the uh, matter at hand which is the trip to anfield and what really needs to happen in this game and what our expectations should be i do look i do think that a 2-0 loss at anfield can be the end of the world or totally meaningless depending on how you get there obviously i don't think anybody even the most positive arsenal fan or the most negative arsenal fan depending how you look at it would suggest we have a right to go to anfield and beat the probably favorites for the title on their ground a team that has touched nearly 100 points and won the champions league That's not where we need to be in the process right now. I do think it's fair to say that we need to be somewhere where we can participate in the game in a meaningful way, which I'm not sure we've done against Liverpool in recent times. So, for me, it will be interesting to see that. I want to bring in a comment from Josh comparing what West Ham just did. Now, look, it's always dangerous to be like, so-and-so beat Liverpool, so we should. I mean... Bad teams can beat good teams, and then good teams can go out and win the Champions League. Like That happens in football, and the transitive property is a dangerous game. But here's what Josh had to say.
3: Hi, guys. Feeling pretty positive as an Arsenal fan at the moment. It's great that we're finally seeing some decent football, and the table certainly looks a lot better. But it's all about consistency. Before the Leicester game, I really wanted us to put in a good performance and just be serious about getting a result out of that game. We've struggled against teams around us in recent seasons, which is why I think we've crept down the table. And whilst we're still some way off competing with Liverpool at the top, sorry Elliot, not sure we're title challengers just yet, I really hope we can approach the game in the same way. Last year, David Moyes took on Liverpool with a pretty defensive and underwhelming approach. But another year later, with a more settled team, he really took the game to Liverpool and he got a fantastic result. Bit of a soft factor question, but I'm curious to hear how you think Mikel will approach the game. For me, it's a true test of how confident he now is with his squad and where we are in the dare I say it process. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Love the pod and keep up the great work.
1: Clive, I think that's a really interesting point about West Ham, right? Moyes came in to West Ham, didn't necessarily have a team he felt could go at at Liverpool Played very conservatively, defensively, didn't work out great. But this season, they're riding a high. They're a team in good form. He likes the team he has, and he takes a different approach, and he gets something from it. So, you know, I I do think that there's something to be said for that, and that while you can certainly, in retrospect, explain away why we played the way we did and why the performances looked the way they did against Liverpool previously, that there is scope now for Arteta, wanting to really maybe hit the gas pedal a little bit and see what he has in this team. I do think this game can be all upside for Arteta because it's a great measuring stick, but it's one where I don't think there's a lot of expectation in the fan base that he has to get a result. So he can kind of take us out for a test drive and see see what we're capable of. Is that oversimplifying it or, or maybe <laughs> underestimating the extent to which fans can be uh, frustrated by by even ex- expected losses?
2: I think uh, that's a great question and really well, really well presented actually. And I think he, he captures a point for me, which is key. Is, hence why I don't want to go to a back three. Because the most important thing for me in this game is that we don't have an inferiority complex. I think it's important we, we, we should, we turn up at these places now and say, okay, this is who we are. If it's good enough, great. If it isn't, we know what the next step is. If we hide behind the settee, we're not going to find out anything about ourselves. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's very important. I think what we've seen recently is something that we all like. We're players that we all like. We know they're young. So the excuses are written already. right? So I think it's the most important thing for me is no inferiority complex. And if things go wrong, we lift those group of players to make sure we don't lose the next three or four games. You know, because that could be such a high. I mean, Ramsdale's not lost a game yet. There's such a high. We're one of the best defensive teams in the league there's so much to like. And then suddenly we mustn't wipe that from our mate, or from our brains like men in black. Boom, like that, just because we lose one game. We've got to say, no. Let's go in there and let's be ourselves. And that's what I took from the West Ham game and I took from the Brighton game. Was there no fear attitude? And it's really, really why have we got to be any different? You know, we have to have no fear. If it's not good enough, then fine. And people say we should have put six in the back, we should have done this. Sometimes the result isn't as important as what we are learning about ourselves. I really feel that. I feel we we. Are, I feel we have the ability to go with them. If they stick to in the top corner, and we're sitting there at halftime two 0 down, thinking, "Crikey, we've done anything wrong, but we're two down to to Salah wonder goals." There's not a lot you can do, right? He's the best player in the world at the moment. There's not a lot you can do, but I do think it's important that we have the their absolute bravery to play like we can play. And I think that's key. And having the leadership at the top end of the pitch, having the solidity at the back end of the pitch. But I do think knowing what they're going to do, Liverpool are doing a lot of rotation-wide areas at the moment. We know where they want the ball to be. We know how they want to flash it across. We know they want to stop us getting to three passes and counter-press and get the ball back and going to broken defences because we expand too quickly. That's what they want to do. And they're very good at it and been one of the best five teams in Europe for the last three or four years, right? So we know all about them and they want to tear our heads off. They've got one point from six and they want to tear our heads off. So I think it's going to be a test of the soft factors, Elliot. I really do. But to find out about us, I'd much rather find out about us based on what we've done recently. Um, I may make one tweak. To, and that's to play two left backs. But that's the only thing. And I, I, I'm not holding on to it. You know, if someone said to me, we're going to go with what we normally do with Smith, and Saka, who am I to argue? I mean, they're two superstars, right? So, but that's what I would potentially do. But it wouldn't bother me either way. Right? They're all going to play anyway. You know? So I think that's how I go into it. I thought it was a great question. I think the emotional baggage we carry into this game is less. We have a number of you players and I'm hoping that shows itself when we uh, when it kicks off on Saturday
1: night. Let me ask you about two, two players that I think specifically could be really, really influential in this game. Aaron Ramsdale and Emil Smithrow specifically, mm. because somehow, some way, we have got to find our way out of our defensive third. And I still think we maybe slightly overstate the strength of our passing out from the back. I think Ben White is fairly good at it, but... You know, Tomiyasu and Gabriel I don't think are particularly elite at it. There's that word again. Um, If it's Tierney, I think he's a pretty good passer. I think Tavares can be, although I think he's more um, of a ball progressor. Yeah, with the ball at his feet, exactly. But Ramsdale can make that pass. It's not just a punt up the pitch and not just a, you know, three-yard tap to Gabriel to put us under pressure. I think he can break a little pressure with some of his more varied distribution, intermediate distribution, and then Smith Rowe, his unique skill to carry the ball from, you know, through the lines from the defensive third to the edge of the attacking third into the opposition half. I I think Liverpool obviously are great at pressing and it, and it's really coordinated, but I do think that you can get past it and I wonder if the distribution of Ramsdale and the ball carrying of Smith Rowe could be two important release valves for us to get out. I don't know that this is a game where I want to see Ben White trying to carry it between the lines as much because I just think the danger of losing it there is not worth the reward, but Smith Rowe in particular yep. could. So, how, how about those two guys as being really essential to us being able to not just get pinned back?
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I think we go there with the ability to, when it's in our keepers' hands or feet, everyone's in play. You know, we have quality, right? So, we're bringing new tools. We're not sure how robust and resilient we are, but we're bringing new tools when it comes to build up. And uh, I'd say, I'm not sure. okay, Look, I don't look at all the data all the time, but when I when I have Arsenal in my mind, there's two things I like about them that I really think that we are strong at. If their teams allow us to build up, we have different ways to do it. We are technically much better because our defenders can all kick the football with both feet, and they can travel. And I also think we're quite good in transition. Very quickly, we go into broken field play really well, and. W- You know, for periods in a game, I think they're the two things that really stand out to me offensively. So, we may not get as much transition in this game, but we do, I do think Arsenal are a good build-up team. and uh, I've I've just felt that for a while. I I think it's the base of Arteta's philosophy. And these players have just improved that and made it more recognisable. Back to, I think, about a year or so ago, to the days we tried to do it at Burnley and uh, and Aston Villa. And we were just hiding behind our fingers as we were players were just like Shaka and, and Leno, just not really connected. And we were kicking the ball in our net. Right. But the philosophy was there. The principle was there. And now we look much better at doing it. We can get out. We have players like Smith-Rowe, whose ability in tight spaces to control the ball is stunning. Lacazette has the ability to put his body in the line to control the ball. We're asking yang to sort of half-pin centre-backs now and just threaten. So you need to throw them back a couple of times by pinging the ball over their heads and just to get him onto the ball to make the pitch a little bit bigger for us so don't squeeze us. Uh, Saka's a stretcher. He likes to stretch the play. Can we get him in? How can we get him in? Well, Lacazette and Saka's a combination. Leave Tommy Atty to worry about Mane. Don't get him involved in build-up. Let Bun White do the build-up on the right-hand channel. There are things we can do, and uh, I'm so interested to see how we approach it. And I'm so interested to see the limits of our team. And um, because whatever limit we find, It's not the end because they're so young, right? They're only going to improve on the back of it. Sometimes we see the limits of our team and we have to be put our head in our hands because we talk about players we know are not going to get better, you know, and they may be here for the wrong reasons. So I think whatever happens in this game, I'm hopeful that we all still like the players and we can all see where they can improve, knowing they will improve with coaching and just time and experience because for many of these players, they're going to try and for the first time, right? So it would be interesting.
1: I think that's such an important point, by the way, because it's such a young team. And if it is going to be a team that eventually, I mean, God forbid challenges for an actual title, you know, three months from now, four months from now, or at some point in the future, then they have to get that baptism of fire in these cauldron type environments against teams that are real good, where they're relentless, where the atmosphere is intimidating This is part of it, and it's one thing for senior pros who have been all the big grounds all over the world and some of the biggest competitions, but for young players, and, you know, I mean, to be fair, you have players like Bukayo Saka, who took the final penalty in an international tournament just this past summer, so it's not like he's not used to pressure. But there are a lot of young players in this team that will need this experience to get better and need to show that they can stand up to it. I I am always reluctant to go to anything that praises Unai Emery, but there's an interesting comment from Robert. I want to run this, Clive, and and get your thoughts on this in terms of how we might um, be able to hurt Liverpool a little bit based on something we did in the past.
0: Hey, guys. I'm not one to praise Emery, but if you recall in his first game at Anfield, he played with Pepe and Abba up front and just kind of hit on the counter and it almost worked kind of wondering what you guys think about trying something similar uh this time at anfield i don't know because i'm worried we're going to get battered playing in our uh usual way uh
1: let me know what you guys think thanks so yeah i mean i think that that is an interesting point clive because in terms of how you think you're going to attack the players you pick if you think you're going to have, you know, possession and try to unlock a deep block versus if you think you're going to be playing on the counter, you know, it's obviously different. Obviously, Pepe's stock is very, very low right now and understandably, but that was a performance where we did get some joy. Oba and Pepe just attacking the channels with quick, direct transitions. Is that something that, you know, that, that Arteta could look at as a, as a thing that's been successful in the not-too-distant past?
2: Yeah, I think the Pepe question is, is one you know, I I remember that day I think we played a four diamond too. And we had split forwards to try to sit outside their centre backs to try to pin them back. And um it, we had some we had some joy, right? But um, it may, it may have been a time because a couple of times we went for a diamond there and they switched play on us, everyone laughed at us, but then other teams started to do it because we were in the game for a, a longer period. The Pepe thing is interesting, Elliot, because I think Something's happened with him. I I, I saw a disconnection in, in, I think it was the Palace game. Did he he start the Palace game? Mm. Um, I saw a disconnection that night in the Palace game where he just did look engaged. And I'm a huge fan, but I can't abide people who are not there to play. You know, they are not working hard enough. I I can't have that. And I thought it's disengagement. He hasn't played a minute since hardly. So something happened that night. And to what, what Lacazette is doing for us, he should be doing for us. He should be posting up on the halfway line and and turning around and and keeping the ball because he's really good at it. But he doesn't bring the same leadership. He doesn't bring the same emotional leadership. He doesn't bring the same consistency of effort and work rate and basically giving his body up for the cause of the team. You know, he he hasn't done it. And when I look at him, I I see a player with a lot of talent that's flickered his talent, but he hasn't changed physically. Over two and a half years, he hasn't developed his body into the Premier League, and I think that's where he has missed the opportunity to play in the interior of the side where you need to have a little bit more strength. He's he just flickers. He flickers so much. I'm loath to give up on him, but I'm I'm getting close, and he should be playing this game because he's he is the striker that can post but can also run over his shoulder. He should be playing this game, but he won't play this game because of his previous lack of engagement. So, I, I, I do think the caller's question was really, really good, and it's something we can still do with the players that we have. Almost like a four triple two, you know, keep a, keep the box in the middle, build up there, and have two strikers slightly wider. We lose Lacazette's build up, but it's something that I'm, I'm not against. But I do think the four, the two is really important. Uh, how we use our wide men to ability to spring I think is key but Lacazette's the glue for me and that allows a Bam to do what he does which is pickpockets Lac- Lacazette's the key and you know? So I I see him doing more of what we've done recently, mate, if I'm honest.
1: Yeah, what I I definitely think, I mean, I don't see, at this point, I don't see any reason why, if that's the way you want to go, that you can't just have Saka doing what Pepe does. Whatever you think Pepe has better than Saka, that's close. And there's a lot of things Saka does that Pepe can't. So I I don't think that's much of a choice. I, I will say, Clive, I don't think this is a game for Martin Odegaard. Because I think he stitches play together nicely. He he's a good connect, a piece of connective tissue. But if you're not going to be playing the ball through the thirds, and I don't see us playing the ball through the thirds a lot, you want an out ball. You want someone who can put his back into a defender, get the ball, give it quick, turn and get into the box. I, I just I don't see us having anywhere near the possession in the kind of areas where Odegaard's connectivity and Distribution becomes something that we have a lot of use for. So, is that is he a player who you know? While I still have a ton of time for him, and I'm excited for him, misses out purely on the style of the game.
2: Yeah, I, I think so. I think we need some, particularly in the first quarter of the game, we need to be in the game, and so we need as much intensity as we possibly can muster. Right, and um, we need to slow the referee down. We need to slow the tempo of the game down on occasions. Lacerdote like is the best diving forward we have. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> he sure
1: is.
2: Yeah. He will be yelping and, and rolling. He's
1: sh- given us some important calls. I mean, you know. Yeah,
2: he does. He'll be yelping and rolling and holding different parts of his body perfectly to put the doubt in the referee's mind and send the Anfield crowd mad. Right. So we need that skullduggery on a pitch in the first phase for so definite. Hey, look, you know, I look forward to today when we have five subs which will too far away, and we won't be worried so much about the first 11s because we'll be able to. At least see four new players come on the pitch at all times, and then roles will change within the game. So, but yeah, Odegaard, for me—not this game, although he did do well. What was the last game we we played in it was uh, one 0 Watford. Watford, the Watford, yeah. Watford game.
1: I thought he, he, ca- really, he came on and and gave us a little measure of control. Yeah, back. Yeah, he was. But he that was that's not good. what we're expecting here. Right? I mean, like that's not what this is about. This is about you know pick your spots, smash and grab, hit them on the counter, and stay compact. And I, you know, he just he doesn't have much to do in that kind of situation.
2: Yeah. I feel he, he just offers a physical weakness and we need something else on this day. You know, and, and that's all. I I, I I don't like always saying that. I, when I hear myself speak, I talk about you know, the physicality side of things, but if people can tell me a more intense team in Liverpool, in world football, I'm all ears, right? So you, you've got to match them. You've got to match them. And that's, that's really important. We're not at the stage yet when we're gonna push Lilcore back into their half. And you know we're gonna be we're gonna be passing the ball out from our goalkeeper literally on our on our six yard box and then trying to build up from there. That's what we're gonna be doing and they're gonna be they're gonna be trying to crush us. As soon as we turn don't turn around our corner, look over our shoulders correctly, they're gonna be onto us and, and try to run through the gaps, right? So we have to show bravery to build up. So they they step back, then we have to take it long on occasion. Then when they when we go long, we have to show build build up bravery again and keep them guessing. I think it's gonna be a really interesting game. I literally cannot wait. But I must say, I feel like this for most Liverpool games. And then the game starts and I think, what are you idiot? What are you done? Why was you so excited? Elliot was right, we're gonna lose 3-0. Yeah. But this time I think we've got better players, so I'm I'm hopeful.
1: The the games feel a little, and maybe the City games are more this, but a little like when we played those great Barcelona teams where it's just like, yes, you have a chance, but it's so dispiriting just being pinned back in that way. Um, they're not a fun watch, let's put it that way. Whatever happens, and I'm not ruling out the possibility that we can get a result here, I think the likelihood that it would be a fun watch is pretty unlikely. Um, you know, I do think that a player that a lot of people may want to see and think is a good fit for this game is Ainsley, Maitland, Niles. And, you know, I sort of wonder, Clive, we're talking a lot about physicality and and controlling, you know, being able to compete in the physical duels. But the one thing I don't want to see, we cannot have a period, like we did in the Palace game, for example, we have a half hour where we don't have any moves that complete more than two passes. Have to be able to keep the ball a little bit. Again, not even possession, just... Accurately string passes together. We saw against Brighton, and the weather played a big part in this. What can happen to us when the passing goes awry? So how do you prioritize maybe bringing in someone like, you know, a Maitland-Niles instead of a La Conga, for example, although all three might play, a La Conga party and Maitland-Niles, but making that choice to go with a, a more robust player, maybe in, in lieu of a player who might give you the ability to keep the ball more and, and exit your defensive third. I mean, how, how does Arteta balance that?
2: That's a really good call, actually. And I hadn't, in my little team talk in my head, I hadn't thought about Maitland-Niles. And actually, what we have to remember, I think he's had two starts, and he's man of the match on both occasions. So if you're him, you're thinking, I've got a good chance of playing. And he particularly does well on the left-centre mid. And I think Le Congo is better in the in the party role. Now, if party's fit, I think he's going to play. We all know he won't last the full game, so Le Congo will probably end the game. But maybe it's a good call for Ainsley to be on that left-hand side of centre mid, not doing the Shaka thing out left-back, but being there into their most dangerous area. Which Yeah, I
1: mean, Trent Alexander, Arnold, and Salah, right? That's where you want your most defensively um, competent central midfielder.
2: Absolutely. It's a good call. You know, he's super sharp, super quick, can steal it and travel. You know, he's got a very good chance of starting this game. You know, now I've thought about it a little bit more, and I've been watching Liverpool's um, you know YouTube channels and things like that to see what they're and they're they're not totally confident about this game. You know, they're not totally confident, and and I do think you know if Henderson's fit it's a problem, if it's Oxane Chamberlain, you know, let's see, right, that's his slot on the right hand side. Um so let's see what happens, but it's not the same type of plan, the same type of covering, a little bit more forward momentum. That's a great shout, maybe Elliot, to have Ainsia as AIZ Ains a party to start, the Conga to finish. I think that's that could be the way we go.
1: Yeah, let's let's get a couple more questions in here. I know you've touched on it a little bit, but this this tierney thing comes up a lot. So I, I want to bring a couple of these in. Here's Josh.
4: Hey guys, how you doing? My name's Josh. Speak to one or two of you, one or two of you on Twitter fairly regularly. Um, heading up to my uh, heading up to Anfield myself on Saturday, with a lot of trepidation and worry. Obviously, having gone up there and got hammered quite a few times before. Um, a couple of things about the game I'm, I'm uh, thinking about is one, Tavares or Tierney. Personally, I think it should be Tavares. Um, he's come in and. Worked so hard and played really well that I think he should be rewarded with keeping his place. The second uh, thought as well is, do you think we ought to add a third midfielder uh, in alongside Party or Conga or if Party's not fit, Laconger and Ainsley the Niles? Um, we obviously don't want to get overrun, but at the same time, I think we ought to go to Anfield field, playing our own game. We've played our way into really good form. With the four-four-two, with attacking, uh, with an attacking style, uh, up and at them, high tempo pressing, etc. Yeah. So should, should should we stick with what we've been playing at, going there, or should we accommodate? Um, should we uh, change it slightly to, to kind of beef ourselves up in midfield? Give us your thoughts, guys. Thanks for thanks for listening.
5: Hi, guys. Um, just a question regarding the team selection for this weekend against Liverpool. Where do you think um, maybe starting Nuno Tavares um, ahead of Kieran Tierney as kind of a left wing back um, for the transitions? Maybe moving Smith Rowe then into the number 10 role in the place of Black and Sash?
4: Yeah, let me know what you think. All
1: right, Clive, a couple of thoughts there in terms of uh, Tavares and Tierney. I think. It is, I think it is fair to say that Tierney is probably the better low block defender and Tavares is probably the better transition defender. And that's, yep. as I think about it, a, it's really good. maybe just a bit of a stereotype of who the players are, because I think Tavares is faster than Tierney and that one character trait alone doesn't necessarily support the conclusion I've come to, but we've seen Tavares recovery runs and the way he uses his body to ride challenges and, and take people off the ball really effective. I, I do think we've maybe forgotten a little bit how good Tierney can be and that yep. he was being given a very different type of role than Tavares has been given when he was playing. And we were also playing poorly at that time. And so a lot of things have come together to make Tavares look, in some people's eyes, like the even better player. I'm not sure that's the reality, and this is a very big situation for someone who hasn't played a lot of football in Tavares. So, how do you um, how do you think about what was said there in those comments and and generally this situation and and is it possible, as we touched on, that both could play? I mean, if it is a back five, I think the presumption some people made is it could just be Gabriel White and Tomiyasu. But it could be Tierney, White, and Gabriel. uh, Tierney, Gabriel, and White with Tomiasu staying at right back and at right wing back, and Tavares staying at left wing back.
2: Yeah, well, I actually... So, (laughs) (laughs) let's take one by one. So, I actually think if you're going to play Nuno, Tierney and Nuno should play together. But I see Nuno as a left winger in the Smith-Rowe role. And I like the idea of Smith-Rowe being inside. You know, so... But this is what's happening, right? So we're all a little bit – there's lots of trepidation amongst us, right? So we all come up with systems and moving people around. And and it's something I've done myself and i am been managing. And I used to play like a four-diamond tune. I wanted to change to a three-at-the-back. And I did three-at-the-back all pre-season. And the first game came along and we lost. And I said to myself, you know what, I need to go back to my diamond – I've spoke to a few people. Say, look, why would you throw away all the work that you've done? Why would you throw away all the preseason work? And I, even though I want to go back to the safety blanket, I played the the three at the bank, and then we went on to another a fantastic season. Sometimes you need to hold on to your own principles. What I'm trying to say, and I think we mustn't be too scared, because how are we going to get back to where you want to be if we're if we're if we're too scared? Uh, Maybe scare's not the wrong the wrong word, but I hope people are looking at tactical ways to change things to to match Liverpool. But West Ham didn't, right? They just played their normal four two three one and went for him. You know, I know it's a home game, it's slightly different. You know, Brighton took a defender, you know, paid a back four, paid Kukurella left back, and went for him. I think it's really important we do that. And I think, oh, hey, we got good players now, so these choices don't feel outlandish do they, Elliot. You know, like. We're talking about, oh, do we play Lacazette or Smith-Rowe inside? You know, this is not, you know, these are not bad choices, are they, really? Do we, you know, do we play Nuno as a left winger or Smith-Rowe as a left winger? I'm happy with either. You know, I really am, you know. So I think if this how we play is setting in stone. I think we've got the players to keep that going. I think we have to be conscious of, are having our ability to spring, and I think you make you your point about having that exit is important. Lacazette does provide it, but could Smith Rowe provide it? Yeah, I think that's a valid debate.
1: Mm. So, as we get ready to wrap up here, and I want to just say something about I- incorporating, um, you know, listener comments into the pod. I think it's great because you know, obviously, we talk about how much we love the community so much and wanting you to get your say in, whether it's through questions that are written in or this audio format. Obviously, thanks for bearing with me as I I try to engineer this for the first time. We obviously restricted it to patrons because just the the volume of responses we got, I wanted to be able to try to get some of this in here. I'm going to run three more and then we're going to leave it. I think what I will probably do in the short term as I try to get better at this is uh, update the instant reaction format over on the Patreon side to have a section of just uh, listener voicemails in the instant reaction. Cause I think that's a perfect place to put them. Um, and then, you know, as I get better at it, then we can figure out the way to incorporate them occasionally into regular podcasts so that you're not, uh, in the laboratory with me watching me struggle through <laughs> how to make this work. So that, that is the plan. We'll, we'll run a couple more of these here, then, uh, round out our conversation with a few predictions and what it actually means for our season going forward. A little bit more on the left back situation. Let's, let's hear some comments.
0: Oh, I'm sure this is going to get asked by everyone, um, but the big question is who should play it left-back. I'm inclined to stick with Tavaresh because he's done nothing wrong, and indeed he's done loads of things right, but I know maybe some supporters would want Tyranny back, which I completely understand, but I just I just really like Tavaresh at the moment. Um, oh, it's Leko, by the way. Bye.
8: Hey, fellas, Blair here in New York.
5: Just a question for you on who should start at left back. I think Nuno Tavares has done a pretty good job for us so far, and I think uh, locking down that left side of the field will be really important for us, uh, especially with Trent Alexander-Arnold coming that way. How should we go about game planning for him, and, yeah, who do you think is the deserved starter? Thanks.
4: Hey, guys, it's the Arsenal Bloke here. Absolutely massive fan of the show. I think what you guys are doing is brilliant. Um, Wanting to ask a question about this weekend and uh, the Liverpool game in particular. Obviously, we're going to be under a lot of pressure down both wings, and particularly, you know, we know the threat that Salah offers going forward. Um, would you, therefore, be looking to bring Kirantini back into the side? And uh, if so, would that be at the expense of uh, Tavares or potentially even look at playing a back five, considering that we're going to be under such pressure? Love to hear your thoughts. Cheers, guys.
1: Yeah, the sense you get is that it's just definitely a a topic that is front of mind, top of mind for a lot of people, whether it's a back five, whether it's a left back of Tierney or Tavares or a combination of both. I think what's really transmitting here for me is just the sense that there's an understanding that this is a unique kind of challenge. And Clive, I kind of want to wrap up with that point. And it's the point that the the tension for Arteta and who would want to be Mikel going into this game is all of this success that you've built recently. And I would say still fragile success from playing a certain way and a way that I think um, a lot of people are starting to warm to measured and balanced against the potential damage that could be done at Anfield and what that means for the season. And we got a question. I couldn't find it, so I can't run it, but it was basically, you know, What is the impact now if we do get a a bit of a hammering at Anfield? Do you think Arteta has built up enough goodwill over this run of games and belief over this run of games and understanding that we're moving in the right direction, and especially with the incorporation of the new players, that this game, is it a free hit? Can we get battered and not lose the sense of, dare I say, momentum or forward propulsion that we've experienced? How... How fragile do you think this run is in terms of what happens at Anfield on Saturday?
2: Well, the Man City game was, a, was a, an interesting one. I felt after the, you know, the COVID issues and the injuries that we had to Gabrielle and Party, etc., and we had no Ben White on the day, we had no Ramsdale, no Tomiyasu. No, we, had, we had a very different side, you know, and I actually felt we chucked that game. Uh, I honestly did. And um, we protected people who were maybe hadn't trained properly because of illness, etc. And now we're going to this game with a more settled team. I read something today that um, over the summer, I think Arsenal had like four players at the Euros. And in this international break, we had 13 players away. And that tells you that some of our players are better, right? So, um, and that's going to be an issue for us, as it is for most of the top teams. You know, we we haven't had the, everybody back to do the two weeks training, et cetera. So, we're on the right trajectory. I think it's important. And I think we're on the right trajectory, whatever happens after this game. That's what I'm hoping. If we get a slapping, people are going to say, Are we too young? You can't do anything with kids. We're back to that again, aren't we, really? are these players too inexperienced? Who are the leaders? Do the leaders play? Is the manager too inexperienced. That's what I'm concerned about, really. So I'm hoping that we show enough to to make those sort of doubts that some people have just disappear for a little bit longer. I think it's very important that we show enough. There's enough there for us to say, you know what? We're okay. We're okay. And we can go into the next game and deal with them. You know, I think... That's the most important thing for me, I think, not to go back to how we felt after the 5-0 Man City game where we were thinking, okay, we are you know, literally bottom of the table, don't know what direction we're going in, zero goals, zero points, and we didn't have a hope. Their first attack they scored and we folded. Right? I don't think we're that team anymore, and I just hope that they can actually show that and prove us all right. Right? That's all. That's all we want, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that what's kind of interesting to me about this game and why it's, it's intellectually an interesting one for me. I'm not going to be particularly worried if we don't win it again. I, I think there are times you come up against teams that, you know, are better teams and there's no harm in saying that. And you, that doesn't mean you abdicate your responsibility to participate in the game and try to win it. But it, it does mean that you have to set expectations that are reasonable under the circumstances I know that you disagree with me on this point, as we did earlier in the pod, but I do think that one little wart on our performances over the last couple months has been the fact that during periods where we are not trying to keep the ball and press an attacking advantage, we have been willing to not just sit deep, which is fine, but sit deep without an out ball, without an exit, without an ability to expand the accordion to break lines and and show that team that's pushing us back That we carry a threat such that they can't, you know, move those center backs 10 yards further up the pitch, move those wing backs or full backs 10 yards further up the pitch. And this game in particular is one where can you get away with that against a Brighton and get your nil nil? Yep. Can you get away with that against, um, you know, a Leicester when you're winning and, you know, your goalkeepers man of the match, but you still win it two nil? Yep, you can. I do not believe you can get away with that at Anfield. And so this is a real test of discipline. Discipline for Aubameyang, discipline for Lacazette. I'm not just talking about Arteta cuz Arteta's on the sidelines, you know, remonstrating with his players to please get back up the pitch. I don't think he wants that to happen either. Those senior players need to have the discipline to say, "I can't let us get parked back in that way. I got to stay in the channels. I got to stay advanced a little bit or the minute there's an opportunity for us to get the ball back. I've got to sprint forward and and create that exit, so that we don't wind up just facing barrage after barrage of attack. And Clive, I mean, again, yes. I know you think that we don't have to hold the ball all the time. I'm not. I'm certainly not making that comment. But that now, exit has to be there, or or Liverpool eventually will make that pressure tell.
2: Well, yeah, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, Elliot. That's 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 obvious we need to have an exit, but there are some times when a team does really well against you and forces you back into a 11 men behind the ball type yep. scenario. And, and, and that's going to happen. We shouldn't be, I'm saying, I'm not saying that's our game plan, but if that's the scenario we can't get out, then that's it. <laughs> that's the game on that day. Cause we've been overwhelmed, overcome. Now let's talk, let's, let's talk about this a bit more, right? So, Lacazette, he's a sixty-minute player, and he runs out of steam, and, and that's that's where we are. That's that's it for us. That's a big upgrade we need there, so we can hold teams more in, in a different way. Right, and he's a big part of what we do. We we we're I'm the one who's called us a punk rock team. We play in bursts,
1: yeah.
2: Right, so it's it's so we're saying the same things. I just f- I just feel it's where we are now at this phase of our development, and I don't see. Apart from maybe the Villa game, where I felt we held them, I know not say held them, but we controlled that game for like 75 minutes, really. And then we dropped away again. And what, it's what you do in those periods that really counts. And at the moment, in those periods when we are dropping away, we're not <laughs> conceding. Now, Liverpool have got the best three forwards around. So it's highly likely if we drop away and give them chances, get their heads up, no pressure on the ball, and pick their passes, we're going to concede. If we give Trent the time, he doesn't need any time. He does it on first first touch, the ball's into the area. We could concede if the quality is really, really good and they're running onto it from deeper areas and they're running into our box and flooding our box. So we have to make sure in our moments that we do play, we do make them think, they have to run both ways, and not just one way. And this is going to be the challenge, right? This is going to be the challenge, and I, I, I'm so interested to see how he approaches it. You know what he does mm. systemically, what he does in wide areas, um, what he does T- in the tenish nine player, nine, nine nine and a half, shall we say? I had a
1: question about that because two things you've just said led me to follow up questions. Can I can I throw them at you? Since yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one is if Lacazette's is that's a sixty minute player, and I totally agree. Recently, the the swap has been Odegaard for Lacazette, and Odegaard just plays the same kind of role in a different kind of way. Is the swap in this game Pepe for Lacazette?
2: Well, mate, you know my thoughts. I I would love it to be Pepe. I I genuinely would love it to be Pepe because he's that good. That's an obvious answer, you know? Uh, But he's not at the moment. (laughs) <laughs> so um he
1: can hit him with the long ball and hit. like he, you know what's he's funny perfect for this role. He, he's good the, the weird thing is Clive. Pepe has been very good at the halfway line. He's been very bad in the attacking third. Like I actually think this is a game where the areas of the pitch he's been decent are the areas where we need him more arguably.
2: I I've been calling for this for about 2 years to get him inside. to yeah. get him into the lane 3 lane 4 because I think he I think he switches on I think he switches off in lane 5. Uh, I do and
1: I, yeah it, I totally agree. I think that's well said. In lane
2: 3 lane 4 he switches on he turns it. he he starts to move he starts to engage and suddenly he creates and he and he follows things and he can see the he can see crosses and he first time finishes I'm thinking y- he should be doing the lacazette role for us right now. That's what should be happening. But everyone's screaming at their phone right now saying but I don't trust him. And that's the problem. He has to build up the trust again. With the manager and with some of his teammates, and and since the Palace game, mate, he's had a he's had a tracksuit on. I don't think we've seen him, you know. So, um, so yeah, I think it's a it's an it would be a nice to have. He's so well suited to this game in our memories, but my recent memory was a disengagement, and I'm I'm just not sure he's trusted.
1: And then the one other thing you made me think about, you know, it's funny we, we talked about the the Tafaras and Tierney thing to death. But you just made me think of one thing about Trent Alexander-Arnold. His delivery is so good, and he's so early with it. Is one thing that Tavares might be better than Tierney at denying the entry ball, denying the cross. I feel like he is quicker to get out to to stop the cross, and Tierney sometimes likes to sort of protect himself from getting beat to the to the byline. That sometimes he'll get sucked in towards the box a little bit more. And again, great player. But is Tavares maybe slightly better at at denying? the service from, from Alexander Arnold.
2: Tavrez is like, he's like a rash. He's all, he's all (laughs) over you.
1: Wouldn't know anything about that. Never.
2: (laughs) He's like a rash. He's all over you. But what, what I like about him is, is, um, his fearlessness. So once he knocks it, he goes and he goes, he commits to his run, you know, whether he's on the ball or off the ball, he commits. And it's that bravery that I really like but then we're looking at Smith Rowe as well. I mean, look at Smith Rowe; he's he's quite a he's a connective player, connective set and play. He's a lot. He does a lot of backward passes, actually. If you look at his you look at his passing, but then when he turns around, it's it's all on right. He's gone. He travels with it and he drives. But I just got a feeling that what's happened to him over the last couple of weeks has been it's been life changing. Right? He's an England international now, and these are the times when sometimes you, you might need to sit somebody and say, let's go, let's give him a half hour at the end. You know, I just got a feeling that well, that could happen. But, hey, look, we talk about top quality players we're talking about now. We don't talk about Kalashnik and Cedric, which one should we play. You know, we don't talk about holding all chambers. You know, with the, the level of debate has gone up. It's gone up a level, you know, it really has. And that's what makes it so interesting. It's almost as if he can't get it wrong. And if he gets it wrong, yeah. we're talking about, yeah. 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 if he gets it, say if he chooses Tierney, well, that's, you know, he could be our next captain quite easily. And we've already forgotten how good he played. And I watched some of the Scottish games and he was fantastic again. You know, yeah, so. We're, um, we're not
1: talking about the Elnenys and the Cedrics of the world anymore.
2: We're no. not, we're not. We are not we are not talk about this debate. We don't talk about plugging holes with people. You know, should we play Danny Tobias at Anfield? Well, well guess what's going to happen? He to run off his feet. That's what's going to happen. You know, we talk about you know party and potentially Ainsley and or Samby and two from you know they will all play this game. They'll all share this game, and they c- have got the ability to travel and move and keep it. Right? It's, it's, these are good problems, right? These are first world problems. It's going to be so interesting to see what he does on
1: the day and how he
2: and how he ends this yeah. game and what the game state tells us we can do. Right? So that's going to be interesting as well.
1: Yeah. All right. Well. I think we can just about leave it there, but I'm going to ask you not for prediction. I'll ask you for prediction in a different way as in, in as concise a manner as possible. Set the scoreline aside. Let's say you aren't able to find out the score. You aren't able to find out the result. And and let's say those didn't even matter. Let's let's pretend for a second. Those don't matter. They do, but let's pretend we're playing pretend here. I have young kids. We play make believe Let's play make believe. Um, what would be the best case scenario for you, and a thing that you say if this happens, I'd feel really good. And worst case scenario, where you'd say if this happens, that would be a really troubling or worrying development. For you. What are your what are your best and worst case scenarios, independent of how the game actually finishes?
2: So I'm looking at the first twenty minutes. I'm I'm looking at that. If we are nil nil after twenty minutes, my eyebrows are going to go up. They're going to raise because. That's the golden period for us, I think. Too many times we go there, we are out of the game so quickly. Same for Man City as well. It's just like over. And we're in damage limitation mode. What I want to see is a game that we're in contact with for a longer period than we have been historically. So if we're 20, I'm taking 20-minute chunks. If we're nil enough for 20 minutes, let's see. You know, let's see what happens after that. If we can get to half time in some sort of shape... Then I think we can develop a, a game plan for the second half I want to test their mentality Eddie. that's what I want to do and, and and test our own you know so but you need to be in the game at 20 25 minutes to even test them if we're 2-0 down it just becomes a sing song for them and and we might as well go and get your Saturday night curry and have a few beers and, and then talk about football for the rest of the week because it'll be over if we get to that stage. I don't see us coming back from a 2-0 from a deficit, for example. So that's yeah. how I'm looking at the game.
1: Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I, for me, my best case scenario is just that we can come away from this game saying there were moments, either long moments or you know periods where this result was in doubt. And we created that doubt in the minds of Liverpool and created challenges that they struggled with, that we we played our part in, in challenging them in this game. But the worst case scenario is what you sort of described, where the last hour of this game is played out as a foregone conclusion, and it never feels like we got to be a participant, got to be, dare I say, a protagonist, you know, at, at any stage of the game. So... Creating a competitive level. that That's really it, right? You don't have to be ready to win these games yet, but I think we should be ready to compete in these games. And we haven't always done that. Um, you know, there are people listening, by the way, I know who are going to be like, this is an insane way to talk about Arsenal Football Club. Like, we should not go into any game talking about it this way. And maybe there's a truth to that. Maybe we should be saying, we have to go win at Anfield. That's the goal. And of course, that's the goal. It is always hard to balance talking about these games in a way that is... Fair and honest and truthful that does not create an expectation that is unreasonable, but also then balancing that with giving an excuse for a very big club that has a lot of pride and a lot of history to just go up against rivals and, you know, view themselves in this with this inferiority complex. So I I understand that there's a tension there and a balance that has to be struck. I can't help that I look at this as a measuring stick about our ability to compete at this level more than I look at it as about the results specifically because at the end of the season, I still hope it's fourth place for us would take top six for us while I joke around about it. I I don't think I'm prepared to even let myself dream about, you know, something like a title. And that is, that is really what Liverpool are going for. So, but those days have to come again. There will have to come a time, Clive, where we aren't just going into these games saying, I just hope we play our role and we're okay. Like eventually, eventually, we have to go into games against City and Liverpool and Chelsea and say, we can go beat them. We should go beat them. That's where we got to get to.
2: Yeah. And you know what, mate? Remember the, do you remember the Saturday game against Leicester? That was a measuring stick, wasn't it? mm mm-hmm. 20, 25 minutes in, we were we were measured. <laughs> so, and, okay, the goalkeeper did well, so we couldn't walk away and do a lap of honour, but it was a good measuring stick. You know, against a team historically the last two, three years have been better than us, and we slapped them. So. This is another one, and there'll be another one when we play Newcastle. We've got May night coming up soon. There's going to be more of these. There's always another game to measure us by, and um, I think that Watford game was really important because it gives us a little bit of breathing space to say, okay, we can just look at this game and find out a lot about ourselves. If we drop points against Watford, we'd be thinking, okay, we're slipping back into the pack. We don't want that. We want to keep our momentum going, but momentum comes in different ways. I think performance is key. Having the authority when we go to Anfield, if we can go there with authority, I think that's a big step forward for the youngest team in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, all right. Well, I'm I'm excited for this game and I, I, I just want to make sure that I I go into it with the right mentality. I think the mentality you take into a game as a player is important. The mentality you take into a game as a fan is important. I, I have to say though, Clive, I think we've built enough goodwill over this run. I'm not saying it's not fragile. It is still fragile, but I don't think it's so fragile that this game specifically can break it. I I do think it's a bit of a free square, a bit of a free hit for Arteta. Um now there are games coming up beyond that where that won't be the case. You know, obviously against Newcastle at the Emirates, that won't be the case. But I even think, you know, the upcoming game against Manchester United, old Trafford, there will be more of an expectation in that game, which is dangerous. But I think that is going to be the case. So let's see how it goes. Uh, live stream tomorrow. A lot more to follow. Thank you for putting up with the engineering of trying to get all these um, listener participation um, uh, files into the into the main pod. And, and we'll do that for the instant reaction. There'll be a lot more going on. But uh, this has been a bit of a juggling routine for me. So thanks for putting up with that. Clive's on Twitter, ClivePFC. Thanks, Clive.
2: Thank you very much.
1: My name is Eli Smith. Uh, you can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Thanks so much. Please consider um, checking out george one big fight on twitter with one is a number one um or checking out the gofundme link in our show description and really do appreciate it for that it's a measuring stick it's a big game i'm excited for it and who knows maybe just maybe it is the start of something even more special than we uh, anticipated but one way or the other we'll be back to discuss it hope you're well love you for being here and we will talk to you after arsenal 10 liverpool New.